Okay, as we jump into a brand new series called The Path, and but I want you to, again, I'm going to get a bit of involvement from you this morning. I want you to think of something that you've intended to do this year, really, really strongly intended to do, but you haven't done it yet. Anyone done anything? Greg? Clean out your shed. Is that, is that a suggestion, Greg? Because I've got gear in his shed. Um, okay. Um, anyone else? Got an intention, Sue? I had lots of things planned, but just got Okay, yep. Yeah. So, um, no marathon running for Sue. So, uh, anyway, I've got an, had an intention maybe for the last month, for the last six months, and that hasn't happened yet. Okay, Greg's doing some study, um, uh, intro to Old Testament, I think, New Testament. Um, so finishing that off, okay. Anyone over this side? Anyone else? Got any, had any intentions, Karen? Start start running again. Yep. So, um, like my intentions when I run that I don't die. Like that's my, that's where my. Um, but but the thing is, like yeah, sometimes we have really good intentions, and 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 the thing is, like we we really mean it. Like it's not one of those things like oh, I'm going to give up chocolate, and and the next and we, we're eating chocolate as we say that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up chocolate tomorrow. It's coming out of our... No, I'm talking about, okay, I really want to be a better dad or I, I want to get a new job or I want to do this. And, and, and the intention, even though it may motivate us, unless there is active steps taken, we actually don't go anywhere. And, and it is so easy for us to get to different stages in our life and go, do you know what? When I was younger, I was going to do that. I was going to buy a motorbike. It never happened. I was, I was going to do that and it never happened. I was going to move here and it never happened. I was going to do this for God, but it never happened. And today we're going to be talking about the first principle of the path, which is called your direction determines your destination. And when I say direction, I mean active direction, like not the way that you're looking. That's our intention. I mean direction as the steps that we are taking and, and the direction that we are going with that. Um, as we jump into the series, this is based around a book. Uh, it was based around the book of Proverbs, but um, Andy Stanley's written a book, The Principle of the Path. And we're going to be looking at a number of principles each, uh, a principle each week that looks at how we can stay on the path that God has for us. How do we get back on the path if we've left it? And the, and, and, and the realization that the path is important. Um, so before we jump into the book of Proverbs a little bit more, let me just give you a, bit, a real brief overview. First of all, when we look at the Bible, the youth group actually got a little bit of this on Friday night. So brief look at the Bible. Um, first of all, the priests, um, they gave the law. And, and so they, they, you look at like Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The prophets, they gave direction and correction. So when the prophets came, they sort of said, okay, you're not doing the right thing. Turn away and go this way. Um, and so that's what they did. And then the sages, um, or the writers, they gave counsel. Um, and the book of Proverbs and its surrounding books are called the writings and which are wisdom literature. Um, and having intelligence means you know things. Having wisdom means you know what to do in various situations. So you can be smart without being wise. 
In fact, our, I think our world is full of people that have knowledge with no wisdom. Um, because sometimes their pursuit of knowledge takes them away from God, which is unwise. And so we, we, we live in a world like that. So wisdom literature was written to make us wise, to help us know what to do in specific situations. And the book of Proverbs was written primarily by King Solomon. Um, and, and again, that's what he asked for when he prayed to God. He asked to be, to be wise, and God granted him that. Again, didn't follow it all the way through even in his own life. Even though he was so wise, at the end of his life, he fell away from God. He actually led Israel into a point that basically set it up for a civil war within its own country. And so even Solomon did not follow his principles all the way through. And so it's important for us to actually stay on the path. So with that in mind, let's jump in um, to verse 7. So those first few verses I read before really show the importance of wisdom. So Solomon's writing here saying it is important for you to value wisdom, to, to value these words and to sort of cement them in your life, store them up in your life. Um, and, and so most of us realize from our own real life experience when it comes to pass, the road that you're on determines where you will end up. Like if you take a certain road and you follow it, you will get to a certain place. Um, if you head south, you'll eventually hit New South Wales and then Victoria and then water. That's, that'll be the order of that you go in. Like if, if you just go straight south. Um, if you go north, you'll, you'll, there's a few different places you can hit, but you'll, you'll go up to places where it gets a bit warmer and, and there's a bit greener at places and, and, but that road will take you that direction. Um, whatever road, whatever highway, whatever path you're on will determine where you end up. Um, now I can want to end up somewhere else, but if I'm not on the right road or I'm going the wrong direction, I won't get to my desired destination. Like it, it just doesn't happen that way. If I, if I'm, if I want to get to Cairns and I go south, it's a really long trip. I've got to go all the way around the world to come back and there's lots of water and my car's just not going to do it. So even though in my heart I won't want to go that way, I will get to that de destination, I can't go an opposite way. And so as I said, it's the, the principle of the path we're going to be talking about is that the direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Now, how many times have you been, um, and this only not only applies geographically, but it also applies to our lives. Because how many times have you been in a conversation with someone who was describing how their life got shipwrecked, or their marriage had hard times, or their kids grew up rebellious or resentful? How many times have you talked to students who didn't get the grades they were hoping for? And as they're describing their situation and, and it led up to what they see as their failure, you just thought to yourself, well, you didn't see that coming. Like, why, why, how did that happen? Well, let's take this principle one pace further. It's so much part of our life on planet Earth that it trumps, overcomes almost everything else. Our direction determines our destination. Besides God, that is. God has this way of actually miraculously altering our destinations at times. You can have the best of intentions and end up in the worst of situations. And it can happen to you even if you're the smartest person on the planet 
all the blessed looking, all the biggest, all the strongest. The principle is true no matter how strong-willed you are, no matter how pleasant you are. When it comes to every area of your life, your direction, not your intentions, not your strengths, not your weaknesses, not your hopes, nor your dreams will determine um, your destination. The path you take will determine where you end up. Now, let me show you from what Solomon showed his audience 3,000 years ago in the um, Proverbs uh, 7. Now, this chapter is, is quite full on in its content, but it shows the path that, can, um, that people can take and be led away so easily. Um, now, we don't know if Solomon actually saw this happen or he's told a story to, to, to give us his principles. Um, but he's looking down and, he, and you can imagine him looking out of a window down onto a street and we pick it up in verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice and I saw, the, I saw, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. So you can see Solomon's building up to something here. In verse 8, he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So basically Solomon's saying that this guy is walking in a way that there is something he's walking to that he knows about very clearly. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to work this out. A young guy is walking around the streets at Sunday, heading for a direction of a specific woman's house. And we'll see in a second, he knew who this woman was and he knew she was married. And apparently he knew that her husband was out of town and that she would be prowling around the street corner looking for, well, just looking really, looking for something. That alone should have stopped him in his tracks. That alone should have been enough to say, oh, I really shouldn't be here. I really shouldn't be putting myself in the situation. But it didn't. In fact, that was the very reason he was heading in her direction. He was taking the, his direction was heading towards her. Now, if we're able to get inside this kid's head, he might tap into a soundtrack, maybe like Born to be Wild. I'm, I'm having a wild night. I'm doing what I want to do. But meanwhile, back in the window, Solomon was watching this young man. And I, I bet if he had a soundtrack going on in his mind, it would have been the soundtrack of Jaws. There is imminent danger coming. You, you don't know it. There's a shark under the water that's about to grab you and take you under. Because there is a marked contrast between what this kid was expecting to experience and, and the experience of what Solomon knew. Why? Because older, wiser man that Solomon was knew from experience where the path would lead. The adolescent was preoccupied with a night of lustful pleasure, a night disconnected from every other event in his life. But Solomon knew better. This night was not an isolated event, disconnected from all other events in this young man's life. The night was a step down a path, a path like all path that leads somewhere. And this particular path had a predictable destination. And the story continues you, you can actually sort of um, look at those next verse. Um, um, basically, the, the woman came out to, to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Now, if you know anything about classical music, Beethoven's Ninth, dun, 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 
That's the soundtrack now. She is looking for here, and there is imminent danger there. Now, again, Solomon's painting a picture of of paths that we take that end up in destinations that we don't want. And this is why the path that we're on becomes so important. Now, the next few verses basically um, look at... Um, what. Well, I'll just read that out. She took a hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I've, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I've filled, fulfilled my vows. So I came out to, to meet you and I've looked for you and I've found you. So you can actually, there's a couple of things in that verse you need to, to do. She's one, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. I have plenty of food. I have plenty of gear. I don't even need your money. So even though she may have come across as a prostitute, I'm not that. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm just a woman trying to ensnare you. But then she basically said, "I fulfilled my vows." She's actually gone to church that day. She's confessed her sins, kind of got all that cleared up, so that she can go have fill up a whole brand new bucket of sin. So she said, "I'm good with God. Come, come and come and do what we're going to do." And and after that. She's basically, you can see that she's, she's lurking. She is, she is looking for someone to ensnare. Now, this young guy's mindset is committed to taking this path. At this point in time, he is, he is forgetting all logic and reason and morality. And even if Solomon called down the window and warned him, the kid wouldn't have heard him over the, the seductive words that came out of the woman's mouth. She, she puts the offer out in no uncertain terms. And then adds, my husband's not at home. We have the place to ourselves. She's trying to portray that even if you make this decision, even if you continue the next step on this path, there's real no consequences to this. No one's going to know. It's just you and me. I'm right with God. You can be right with God too. This is not a big deal. This just kept getting better from his perspective. But Solomon saw this situation in an entirely different light. Listen to his take in verses 21 and 22. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with small talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to slaughter. Solomon saw that this was very destructive for this young man. The path that he was on was going to do him harm. And that young man, because he was on the path that he was on, he could not see the danger. He did not realize what was happening. It sounded like a good idea to him. But Solomon saw this was an animal going to destruction. Now, what this young man was doing was, would have most likely been celebrated by his friends and even given a thumbs up by our society. But Solomon says the word, an ox to the slaughter. It certainly doesn't look that way to the casual observer and it certainly didn't look that way to our young friend. But Solomon wasn't finished. He actually used the, the metaphor of animals being, of, of, of being harmed. He, he talked about a deer and a bird and, and, and quite graphically how they would be hunted and killed and finishes with this emphasis after he's explained these different, talking about the young man, he says, little knowing it will cost him his life in verse 23. So basically, this young man had no understanding at all that this was going to do him serious harm. 
From his vantage point, Solomon knows that this young man was throwing away his future. The young man would have been thinking, what would you know? I'm not in any danger. I'm just enjoying life. We, we have that motto in the world at the moment. Love is love. Just do what makes you feel good. Um, what, what are you, who are you to tell me any, any different? And so from bad relationships to, to drugs, to alcohol, to, to poor life choices, um, the pursuit of, of, of objects over the pursuit of character. All these things are thrown our way. And it's at this point in Solomon's narrative, he turned a corner and he addresses, I suppose, the readers of, um, of this proverb. And his next, so his next words are directed at you and me. He says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. And there's our word, path. This was a path. This was not an event. And But pay attention to his next observation. Many other victims she has brought down. Um, she has slain a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading to the chambers of death. Now, if that was a description of an Airbnb, you wouldn't go there, would you? Like her house... Is the highway to the grave. Two stars. Like, we, we wouldn't do that. And Solomon's putting out the warning in, in, a, in a most, I suppose, graphic and, and detailed way as he can. So it wasn't a few that had been harmed by this woman, many. And Solomon identified this experience represents a well-worn path, a path that leads to death despite what the naive kid thought. And driving home the point, Solomon added, her house was a highway to destruction. There was nothing new about this, nothing unique, just another young man who had chosen a path that would take him precisely to where he doesn't want or plan to be. And there was a disconnect in his, in his mind because he thought that this, what I'm doing right now, doesn't matter on the journey that I'm taking in life. But what have we been saying? Your direction, the way that your feet are moving, will determine your destination. And the disconnect in Solomon's scenario is easy to see, at least for us. A young man who wanted his life to be relationally richer chose a path that would ultimately undermine his relationships. A young man who yearned for something good chose a path that led to something that was not good. A youth striving to prove his independence chose a well-worn path that had the potential to strip him of his independence. There was a disconnect. But let's talk about us for a minute. We all have a propensity for choosing paths that lead us where we do not want to go. And in a few weeks, I'm going to give you a take on what causes the apparent lap of, lapse of reason for us. We, we, we want to go this way. We want to walk this way with God. or We want to do this in our lives. We want to do this. And all of a sudden, we have a lapse in our judgment and our reason. And it doesn't. we end up walking a different way. But for now, I want to focus on this dynamic and how it plays itself out in our world. Maybe in your world, for example, single woman, I want to meet one day, marry a great Christian guy who's really got his act together. But then she dates whoever asks her out as long as he's cute. A husband says, I want, I want my kids to respect me as they grow up, but then openly flirts with other women or is never around or is, when he is around, he doesn't do anything that is worth respecting. 
A young Christian says, I want to develop a deep and lasting intimacy with God. And so they get up every morning and they open up their phone and they check out what's happening on Facebook. A working man says, I want to grow old and invest the latter years of my life in my grandchildren, but then neglects his health and is either too unwell or is not alive to be able to enjoy that time. A regular guy says, I want to get thin and lose weight. And they're lining up at McDonald's saying, supersize it. A couple says, we we like our children to develop a personal relationship with God and choose friends who have done the same. But then they prioritize that so many other things over gathering together with God's people to grow and serve. So what do the kids see? They see that God and they see that church is not as important as other things. It goes unsaid, but that's how kids interpret that. Newlyweds determined to be financially secure by the time they reach their parents' age, but then they struggle with all the interest-free advertisements saying, you can have it now, and they adopt a lifestyle sustained by debt. A high school student intends to graduate with a report card that will give them option when they select a uni, but they neglect to study. You see how there's an intention to do something that's right, but there is a direction, there is a path that you must take to get to that. The list could go on and on, and and, and the people my list represents have legitimate goals and oftentimes every good intention of reaching them. But like the naive young man in Solomon's story, the paths they choose eventually bring them to a destination that is entirely different from the one they intended. And this isn't rocket science. Those things that fill our time, choices that we make with our lives, um, are not just pastimes or personal habits. They are pathways. They lead somewhere. And I've already, as I've already said, it is much easier to see these dynamics at work in other people than it is in ourselves. In fact, right now, you're probably thinking of several people you wish who had been here today to hear this. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. So before you start putting names to faces in your mind, take a minute and think about your life. And let me ask you this. If you have ever gotten lost while driving, and who hasn't, you know that if you backtrack far enough, you usually can get your bearings to, uh, and, and be on your way. Worst case scenario, you waste a few minutes or hours. But when you get lost in life... It's very hard to backtrack. When you get lost in life, you don't waste minutes or hours. You can waste an entire season of your life. Choosing the wrong path in life will cost you precious years. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to wake up in their 50s and wish they'd taken a different path in his 30s. No one wants to work hard for years and be left with nothing to show for it. The path we choose at those crucial junctions doesn't just determine our destination the following year, but for the following season of life. And the principle of the path is operating in your life every minute of every day. You are currently on a financial path of some kind. You are in a relational path. You are continuing down a moral path, an ethical path, an entertainment path. And each of these paths has a destination. And the choices you make on these paths, eventually they kind of intersect. 
If you watch things that are not good to put before your eyes, well, that's going to affect the moral path that you're on. Oh, everyone's watching it. Oh, okay, so it's not that big of a deal. But then I struggle to follow God and believe God. It, it, which just raises questions again. Why would a guy like the one in Solomon's story walk down such a path? How come he doesn't see what's coming? Answer, he doesn't think it's a path. He thinks it's an event. He thinks it's a one-time thing. When the truth is, God says your life and its destination isn't about the immediate, it's about the ultimate. And you can trump the principle, uh, you can't trump the principle of the path with good intentions. Your directions, not your intentions, determine your destinations. And some of you have been brokenhearted at various times of your life. And you wanted to know, why did God let this happen? Why did God let this happen to me? Answer, he didn't. He wanted to stop it, but sometimes we, we get ahead of what God wants for us. And this leads us to, to two questions I want to ask you today. What direction are you headed in today? Where are, what path are you on? See, sometimes we don't even ask ourselves that question. And I think that's like the young man in Solomon's story. We don't actually ask where we are right now. And has everyone ever rung you up and they sort of said, oh where, oh, where are you? And you've been walking around the shops and you've actually got to look around and get some bearings so that they know how to come and find you. We need to do that in life sometimes. And, we, and sometimes it, we go, oh, you know what, I'm doing okay. Sometimes we look around and go, wait a second. This is not what I planned, God. This is not what I was, I was thinking. This is not where I was intending to be. What direction are you headed in today morally? What, what direction are you headed in today relationally with your family, with your friendships, with God? And we, we, sometimes we kind of, we just hope our relationship with God will be better. And, 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 and we don't do anything to actually walk it in that direction. What direction are you headed in today financially? And I'm not talking about, and I'm not talking about what are your goals or where you would like to be going. I'm actually talking about what direction are you actually taking? Remember, intention doesn't trump direction. Second question, how do you choose? How do you learn to choose the right path? Like this young man, if, if he was wise enough, if he looked around and said, said to someone, hey, what should I be doing right now? How, how, could he, how could he have got that information? Well, first one is get wisdom. And this is what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. Getting wisdom from the Bible, getting wisdom from books like Proverbs um, will increase our wisdom quotient. There are 31 chapters of, 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 of in the book of Proverbs. Read one chapter a day for the next 31 days. This is what Billy Graham does every day. He reads, or did every day, he reads a chapter of the book of Proverbs. And I know others who have had that same um, process. And even if it's not Proverbs, if you want to get wisdom, where is the best source of wisdom? The Bible. So if it's holding down papers in your office, looking pretty on your coffee table, or you're not quite sure where it is, all those three places will not in improve wisdom. Like it won't even improve wisdom if I hit you with it. It won't. I might say, you need to be reading this more. I'm reading it more. 
maybe there'll be some wisdom that comes eventually that you go, yeah, I need to read this more. But again, you need to open it up and you need to get into God's word to get wisdom. That's the first step if we wanted to know how to choose the right path. Secondly, we need to get Christian accountability. Uh, we have Western ideas when it comes to our Christian walk, that my Christian walk is about me and how I follow God. That's not a biblical concept. It's not at all a biblical concept. The biblical concept is that we are moving with God together. And so you are meant to help me stay on that path. I am meant to help you. You are meant to help each other. That's how it's meant to work. The Bible is really clear about that. But the thing is, we kind of keep all our stuff to ourselves. Come to church, how's your day? How's your week been? Oh, it's good, 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 good. Um, like, what have you been up to? Oh, not much, not much. And we, we go home after we've had our fill of morning tea and the faith life in us is basically limited by the effort that we put in. For some of us, we still, we still put a lot of effort into our faith growth and, and walk with God. For some of us, we, we live on scraps. But if we open that life up and say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling in this area. Hey, let me pray for you. How are you doing with that area this week? Oh, so much better. Thanks for your prayers. Not only will our, our relationships with each other grow and grow with God, all of a sudden we, we actually become a really caring and actively loving church. So it's got a whole lot of bones. But all of a sudden, we are all trying to turn our focus and actually lead our direction to get into the destination that God wants. I'm going to help your walk with God and you're going to help my walk with God. And you need to find people that you can trust and respect. And you need to, have, you need to give someone permission so they can speak into your life. Do you have anyone, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it generally first. Do you have anyone that can actually say, how's your walk with God going? And you go, oh, yeah, okay. And you go, and you're lying to me, aren't you? Do you have anyone in your life that, that has that permission? Or they know, they know us so well. How are you going with that sin that you struggle with? How are you going with that one? And you go, well, and as soon as you say that like that, they know you're not going with it so well. You're not doing too good with that. And, and let's talk about that then. Okay, you need to confess that to God and you need to get right with him and you need, let's pray about that right now and I'm going to be calling you tomorrow and the next day to make sure that's not happening. We don't want to give people permission like that because we don't want them to tell us to pull our socks up to actually get right with God. But it actually brings it actually brings wisdom in. You know how I was talking earlier? It's really easy to look into other people's lives and see that they're not on the path they should be. Well, that's what we're doing. We're saying to others, can you look into my life and when I'm not on the path that God wants me to, I give you permission to do X, Y, Z to make sure I get back on that path. So do you have someone who does that for you? Do you have someone in this church that does that for you? And when I say, do you have someone, oh yeah, I've got a friend that I've known for the last 20 years that I speak to once every three years. They keep me on track with God. I'm not talking about that. Like you need to ring them a lot more than that if you want to use them as that person. I'm talking about someone who helps you regularly to, to walk with God, who encourages you, who challenges you who even races you forward in faith. That's what you need in your life. And thirdly, 
We need to make choices based on the long term, not the short term. Make choices based on the long term, not on the short term. Now, to do that, we do need a clear vision of where God is taking us. I, 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 you do need like to, to see where is God wanting me to head? What is God wanting our church to do? And actually then taking the initial steps and the initial steps to actually start heading in that direction. Because this is one of the things. In, in walking the path God has for us and the destination he has for us, we are so impatient that times we go, God didn't bring it overnight, so I'm not walking that path anymore. But that means we don't get to the end of that path. We don't follow that, that direction that God has for us. And so every single, every single step that we walk closer with God is in the right direction. It may take, it may take for those who are young, it might take 80 years. For some of you who are closer to that 80-year mark, I'm probably it's a lot less, so it should be encouraging for you. Like you, you're actually a lot closer to becoming what God make, wants you to do. But in saying that, sometimes, and this is this is as we as Wesleyans we talk about entire sanctification. Sometimes the steps that we take, we take like this because we're wrestling with God, and God wants us to take a big long run up and run fully into the life He has for us. And so sometimes we see people fly past us in this, and all of a sudden they are walking the direction that God wants them, and we're yelling, "Hey, keep wait up! I can't keep up!" And they're saying, "Stop fighting! Stop fighting, God!" Just, just go with it. Just jump into the life God has for us. So we need to think less about the short term and more about the long term. Now, we, you can see this in lots of different ways. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if this will be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's nice and cold. What, what do the people like eating that warm them up on a Sunday lunch? Anyone like some hot chips? Maybe a hot chook? Like some roast? The thing is, sometimes going home from church, or maybe even going out to morning tea. Now, this is this might be bad because everyone's going out to morning tea, not eating anything now. But sometimes we go out and morning tea is sitting out there and you go, "Oh, that looks really good," and then we go, "Oh, I shouldn't be eating that though." Oh, it won't hurt. That little bit won't help. Well, the thing is, again, if you're thinking about health and weight, all those little choices, all those short-term things, will actually get in the way of the long term. It happens with our money, like, and, and this is a this is a this is a struggle for our world because basically you might be saving up for something. Like my my daughter Charlotte at the moment, she's collecting um, these um, Sylvanian family toys. For those who know what that is, you know. If you don't, you probably never know. So that's okay. The thing is, she's got a goal to save up for one. So to do that, she can't spend the money that she's already collected. She knows that. So that becomes, I've got to sacrifice now so I can spend later. But also then she goes, I've got to do jobs to fill in the gap that's still coming. And so that might be the dishwasher. That might be vacuuming out cars. It might be other stuff that she does around the house to build it up. But all of a sudden, the long term guides the direction. The long term guides the choices that she makes. We need to think about the long term when it comes to our time we spend with God. It's a bit chilly in the morning at the moment. It is nice to stay in bed longer, isn't it? Anyone like to stay in bed longer at the moment? But, but, but the thing is, like sometimes we go, oh, if we, if we get up and do quiet times in the morning, we'll go, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. And for the sake of 
half an hour. For some of you, it might be 15 minutes. We actually go, do you know what? I'm going to stay in bed. I'm going to just shift my studios button and I'll catch up with God tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And the thing is, all of a sudden we spend weeks without moving and growing in God. And so sacrifice little bits every day, it'll actually be invested long-term in your life. I, I was, this is not actually Christian-related, but I was, um, I was watching the interview by uh, Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant was a famous NBA player, died a couple of years ago in a helicopter crash. Um, never really watched much of him play. It was sort of after the time that I was really interested in basketball, but I was well, well aware of him. And he was sitting in this interview and he said, basically what I do, um, he said, normally an NBA day, day looks like we get up, we have training about 10 um, for a couple of hours, go home, have some lunch, come back, have training for a couple of hours in the afternoon, and you go off and do all your stuff for the night. He said, I made a decision very early on that I would get up and I would start my training at 4 o'clock in the morning. That means I'd train for two hours in the morning. I'd have breakfast. Then I'd rock up for two hours of training at work, uh, at, at, at well, well, effectively his work. He'd go and have lunch. He'd have another two-hour training session. And then because he had time to get other jobs done, he would then have another two-hour training session in the afternoon. So he would do double the amount of training that all his teammates were doing and a lot of other players around the NBA were doing. And this is what he said. He said, after a couple of years, because I was doing so much extra work, I was developing uh, muscle memory, I was developing skills, and it didn't matter in about three or four years' time whether someone worked hard all through the summer to improve their game. They were never going to catch up with me because I had done so much work consistently that I'd built my game to this level. And that really challenged me because I've been thinking about, like, if I put that little bit of extra effort in, in a lot of areas, but especially into my area with, with my spiritual walk with God, if I take, even if I reclaim an extra 20 minutes a day to spend it with God, and do you know what? Okay, if, you're, if you don't think you've got space in your day to spend extra time with God, like, okay, anyone spend any more than 10 minutes on their phone, 20 minutes on their phone, playing Sudoku or this game or the other game, Okay, okay, then we go to TV, then we go to internet, like, and the thing is, it's not bad stuff we're looking at the internet, like I've been looking at camping fridges on the internet. If I do that for two hours, though, and can't give 20 minutes to God, there's something wrong with my priorities in my life. And that's what I'm talking about. We've got to get to the point where we, we look at the long term over the short term so that we actually stay consistently on the path that God wants for us. We need to make choices based on what will develop um, if you do something over a long period of time because that's the path you're on every time you make one-time decisions. So next week we're going to talk about what do you do if you find yourself on the wrong path? What happens if you've ended up in a place that you didn't want to be um, and how you can make a course correction? Um, and you'll probably encounter some challenges as well. I think that you find that as you pursue the new and better path, the momentum that you build up on in the new path will not only help you, but it will give you the opportunity to help a lot of people you really care along the way. Let's take some time to pray. Lord, as we begin this series, as we look at the path that you have put us on, 
as you um, seek to help us um, continue on a path that you would lead us into to find the best road that we can be on. I pray that you would speak to us now and each week to come. Help us to gain a better understanding of our paths, our direction, and how to get to where ultimately you and we both want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 